Discover FX's Shogun, the official podcast available now. Every legend begins with a story. Listen and explore episode by episode the story of war, passion, and power set in feudal Japan. Join host Emily Yoshida each week with the creators, cast, and crew in this exclusive companion podcast. They dive deep into the twists and turns of the plot, go behind the scenes, and explore the real-life history that informed the limited series based on James Clavell's best-selling novel. Search FX's Shogun wherever you listen to podcasts. Tax season is approaching, bringing potential extra cash your way. Rather than spending it all on an expensive deal filled with yada yada from your current wireless plan, consider switching to Metro by T-Mobile for no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada you don't take yada yada in life don't take yada yada from your wireless provider metro by t-mobile has no contracts no credit checks no surprises and nada yada yada stop by one of over six thousand metro stores nationwide this episode of Stuff They Don't Want You To Know is brought to you by Alienware. During Dell Tech Fest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor. Featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Plus, build your dream setup with great deals on select game Gaming monitors, mice, and more must-have electronics and accessories. When you shop online at Alienware.com deals, you'll have access to leading-edge gaming technology to conquer the competition and free shipping on everything. Amazing prices await you for a limited time only at Alienware.com deals. That's Alienware.com deals. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccans. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Special announcement at the top, folks. Uh, every day gets us a little closer to Halloween 2021. You know, longtime listeners, that we are big, big fans of the most wonderful time of the year. And in the past, we've often done something a little special. The, the three or four or five of us have teamed up with our colleagues to make spooky, mostly fictional stories. Uh, we've had some real weird stuff. You can hear it on our podcast feed right now. Um, gosh, we've done that for a number of years. But uh, this year... We, uh, along with some of our friends of the show, were in particular working on an entire season of spooky fiction. Matt and our pal Alex Williams got together a top-notch team of spooksters to create the second season of 13 Days of Halloween. Um, we only Matt, hire the best uh, spooksters. I love right. a good spookster. <laughs> yes. You guys definitely know the best in the game. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, whether we're talking about uh, Ska Band or our, our teams of writers and actors, I, I don't know if Spooksters is a Ska Band, but God, it sounds like one, doesn't it? Like mm-hmm. the Spooksters, they cover... Yeah. There's a 70s uh, rock band called Spooky Tooth, which I always thought was a real cute name. Oh, that's cool. Ooh. I, I wrote a story uh, about 
an evil dentist called the Judas Tooth, and I just really want to send it somewhere. Yeah, is it safe, Ben? Is it safe? (laughs) Is it safe? Well, that's Mm. that's a story for another day. But you're right. Uh, uh, With spooksters, I think you got to add like a town, like the Sacramento Mm. spooksters, because then Uh, I don't know. It feels like it could be a team as well. I don't know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. This. uh, So we're on to something with this. I think. I. We wanted to say that you never know when we'll make a new spooky story on stuff they don't want you to know because uh, Noel, Matt, and I put a lot of time and attention into those things. So we suggest that right now, while you're waiting, uh, you check out 13 Days. It's worth your time. But still, the Halloween spirit compels us to move ever further into the realm of the strange, the occult, the supernatural. And today's question is... uh, Today's question's a weird one. Is witchcraft on the rise? Oh, before before we dive in, I don't know if I told you guys, but I first learned of this concept a number of years ago when someone else on our network was telling me, hey, spiritualism or the idea of, you know, non-traditional religious beliefs is on the rise right now. And she predicted it. Which is the thing, the interesting thing. So, did she use a candle? <laughs> you know, um, she's definitely a person into candles. Let's put okay, it that okay, way. Cool. So maybe that, cool. maybe it was you know uh, one of those cursed candles with a black flame that gives no light and no heat, or maybe it was just a Yankee candle company candle. Either I'm way, I'm not sure. I like the <laughs> right. ones that smell like cinnamon. I like them. They're just crazy expensive. You know what I mean? How did candles become like $20? Uh, Yeah, dude, you got to get on the the cedar smell and just fill your home with it. And they Mm. make them with those those wick, I don't know what they call them. The wooden Uh, wicks? The wooden wicks. Mm -hmm. Oh, guys. I used to have one that smelled like leather. Oh, Oh, that's cool. I don't, I've always somewhat, because I'm always eternally hungry uh, on several levels. I hate the ones that smell like food. I mm. feel like they're betrayals. They're an act of betrayal. <laughs> you wouldn't be into a quesadilla candle, Ben? I would very much be into it, but I have a problem. That's the issue. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, actually, that's a great idea, and I'm glad you brought it up. We should make that so. So mote it be, as they say. Here are the facts. So we're talking about what is loosely called witchcraft, and Uh, Maybe we can talk a little bit about the stereotypical images of witches. Like when I hear the term, I immediately think of like a black clad crone with the pointed brimmed hat and flying across the night sky to conduct a black mass cursing crops. You know, I think of the witch from the excellent horror film, The Witch. A.K.A. The Witch. No, only yes. two Vs, but it's hard to hard to say like that. Yeah, and in that version of uh, a witch, if I'm not mistaken, flies with the the broomy part of the broom facing forward. I believe you might. I believe you might be correct. In that in that trope, there are several different um, several different things that might be used to help one fly, like a mortar and pestle. It's it's not always a broom, and uh, it's weird because when we're thinking of these stereotypes, which is what they are. Which is what they are. Uh, we're also th- we're also wrapped up in ideas of real life historical events, terrible, terrible things like the horrors of the Inquisition or the Salem witch trials, and they've inspired countless works of film, fiction, and of course podcasts. But one thing that was really important to us when we started exploring this idea was to ask ourselves, what about? all the misconceptions that get wrapped up in that, you know? So we have to start with the basics. Like what, what exactly do people mean when they say so-and-so is a witch? Well, uh, like the very etymology of the word itself, the true history of what's now known as this thing called witchcraft is pretty unclear um, and is largely up to interpretation um, in the modern day. It all depends on who you talk to. And, And nowadays what, 
could be seen as a very damaging stereotype of a practitioner of magic with a CK um, or perhaps what might be referred to as the black arts uh, specifically by folks uh, who maybe lean in a more religious direction. Um, This whole construct really is a very Christian invention. Um, but the etymology of the current word has its roots in Old English, uh, specifically Low German, uh, Vicke, um, for a, uh, a, a magician um, who is a, a woman, um, a sorceress, also known as a sorceress, uh, Wicca for the uh, male version, also Low German, that would be referred to as uh, Vicken, aka to use witchcraft, or a Vicar, uh, which could be could be seen as maybe something more along the lines of a fortune teller or, or a soothsayer, someone who has the gift of sight. Anyone else hear the word vicar, vicar. in there? Uh, right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I always thought that was funny too. It's, it is true that the exact etymology is unclear, but historians generally agree that if you, if you trace it back or you dive through whatever historical records exist, you'll see that there are several closely related words that describe practices like soothsaying or divination or sorcery, and they describe names uh, or terms for those suspected of practicing it. And this is not all, obviously, this is not all quote unquote, like bad or evil stuff. You know, there's a left hand path, there's a right hand path. We're talking about a lot of traditional medicine Right. We're talking about a lot of uh, healing techniques and a lot of things like uh, how do we predict the passage of the crops and the seasons. And this I love that we're pointing out that what is called witchcraft uh, has been defined by people outside of these practices for for a while. Like the the concept and the fear of some magically powered antagonist with some interconnection to forces beyond those of mortal civilizations is way way older than Christianity. So it's it's somewhat misleading to say that the the idea of witchcraft is a Christian invention. They certainly ran with it and used it as a rationalization to do terrible, terrible things. But witches or soothsayers or, you know, practitioners of occult arts exist in the most ancient uh, stories of humanity. They've been there from the jump, even before spies, for anybody who listened to that previous episode. Sure. I mean, dating as far back, uh, literarily speaking, in terms of what we have uh, in the written record as uh, Homer's The Odyssey, way back from 800 BCE with the character of uh, Circe, who would have been, you know, a very important figure in ancient uh, Greek culture uh, referred to as an oracle. Someone who would often have to be consulted before a, you know, a quest of some kind or some sort of uh, very important life kind of journey. Right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. just so. And even in like ancient uh, Roman law, there is a ton of commentary about what they call illicit magic, meaning that some stuff was just sort of expected and normalized by society. Sanctioned Uh, even, right? Like by, by the government. Yeah. Yeah. By the government of the time. And so, of course... Spiritual practitioners, that's the word we're going to go with uh, instead of witches. Spiritual practitioners across the planet had their own sets of beliefs, practices, and standings in society. Sometimes, you know, they would be revered as holy figures with access to higher planes of knowledge. And then sometimes they'd be vilified. But wherever you find early human civilization, you'll find people that later organizations like the Inquisition would describe as witches because they were doing something different, unorthodox or unexpected. And we had uh, earlier in the course of our our diving into this episode, we had reached out to contact some friends of ours, some colleagues who do practice things that would generally be described in mainstream society as magic. Yes, uh, several different classes of magic. Uh, One person we spoke with was I believe self-described as a chaos magician. I think that's correct. Mm -hmm. Um, And and then another person who perhaps would classify it more as spiritualism with a dabbling in witchcraft. Um, it's, It's very interesting to speak with people who do attempt to actually carry out rituals of some sort. 
We learned a ton, I think, Ben. Uh, yeah, we did. And these were these were important things. Uh, we dove into a conversation about the history of various practices. Uh, we dove into the controversies or contradictions between some practices. And we, we asked some stuff that I think we will also find turns up in, a, in later episodes if we do something on, you know, thought forms or tulpa uh, or oh, the, man. the idea of cursed objects, right? So Yeah, I, I don't want to get into it too deeply at this point, maybe in the episode, but the concept of going in inwardly, traveling inwardly, <laughs> that's a weird way to say it, but to, to have an effect in the outward space and in, in the actual physical plane uh, was a really cool concept and it matches up so much with a lot of spiritualist uh, beliefs, like non-dogmatic religious belief that's going on right now. Yeah. And also it made my midnight to hear, hear these folks agree with our pal Damien Patrick Williams earlier description of magic. He said weaponized psychology. And I think ah, that is a very articulate that. way to depict that. Yeah. And so the modern quote unquote witch or magic practitioner, we have to define what that is before we figure out whether or not witchcraft is on the rise. And there are conspiracy theories at play here. There are people and institutions who believe that there is an organized systemic attempt to turn people away from Christianity or to use infernal powers for worldly gain. And that's a, that's an idea that happens in, you know, the so-called satanic panic. It's an idea that is always kind of around and it all, a lot of it dates back to the Christian church's attempt to stamp out what it saw as heresy, anything mm -hmm. it saw as spiritual competition, including, you know, not just like the Cathars, not just someone who had a different take on uh, monotheism, but anything that was from a pre-existing religion, native beliefs, ancestor worship, animism, all that stuff. Like, imagine we're a band of early Christian explorers. We don't mm -hmm. have to get into how early, but we have ventured into this new land deep in uh, the primeval forest, right? Deep, deep <laughs> into that word. Me too, man. Deep into a pre-Christian area of what would be Germany today or something. And when we're there, we, we stumble upon like a small village and they are clearly like, ritualistically killing a, a bear or a dog or a goat or something. And the, our first reaction is going to be, this isn't, I don't think this is our thing, guys. I think these, <laughs> I think they're doing something different. And then it's only a matter of time before someone else in our crew goes, I agree. And I think it's bad. <laughs> and then usually sure, the person leading the group or uh is the your the person that controls the religious dogma on your side mm -hmm. yeah we have a priest who says and it's bad <laughs> well and, and interestingly i mean this would be what would be more considered to be a pagan ritual which uh you know many of the christian holidays that we celebrate have roots in paganism which really can just be a stand-in for anything that is not the main thing that we believe. Right. <laughs> well, we pick and choose so much. I, mean, I say the royal we, I guess, you know. Uh, organized religion often picks and chooses from other cultures and then uh, tries to erase the original uh, in many cases. Yeah, shout out Council of Nicaea. Let's hear it for him. you know. Uh, Ooh, you might not, should we? Might not <laughs> no, we shouldn't. You might not agree with it, but they did make an impact on history that continues today. Anyhow, yeah, yeah, I think it's absolutely true. And we also, to the point about picking and choosing, um, we also see a lot of religious syncretism. It's what happens anytime two different cultures encounter one another. 
uh, we had a pretty interesting conversation about Santa Claus earlier. This is what we were alluding to. Uh, there's one figure from the Western Alps that has a couple of different names. You'll see you'll see it called Buffuna or Perkta or Berta. And this was, get this, a spirit associated with winter who is known for punishing violations of social mores and rewarding good actions. Uh, she was also portrayed as an older uh, woman. She represented cold and winter. And when folks were diving into, you know, like the, the history of what would be described as witchcraft, they said this figure, this pre-Christian figure, seems to have a lot in common with stereotypes of witches. And then also Santa Claus, who is an Omega-level mutant in the Marvel Universe, but also... <laughs> Does a lot of does a lot of things that would be described as witchcraft, right? We're flying. Yeah, eyes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Can uh, you know presumably change shape uh, to go mm-hmm. from being a quite portly uh, gentleman to you know inexplicably sliding down a very narrow brick chimney? Mm-hmm. Has power over the fae. The elves and the reindeers are kind of like familiars or companion spirits. Speaks every language, as we pointed that out. That was the whole conversation somehow speaks every language and can exist in every shopping mall across the planet. The ones that are still open. Yes. Uh, and especially the ones that are abandoned. I'm telling you, I think, I think, oh, it's our a good spooky, one. yeah, I think our spooky story this year is like an end of the year, you know, Merry yeah. Christmas thing. <laughs> but we also have to remember that even as Christianity became more prevalent, and this is, this is something you, you see a lot of writing about this occurring in Western Europe, but it's tale as old as time, right? Or tale as old as Christianity. As Christianity was expanding across the world, Christians were still stumbling across things they couldn't explain. Remnants of those who came before. Standing stones. Mounds in the ground. You know, where did this come? Why would someone go to the trouble of building this? And they would also a couple of strange looking caves were really big, right? Or like alcoves, things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you would, you would have the locals would be familiar with this. It'd be normalized. They might even consider themselves uh, followers of, of some branch of religion, right? Some branch of Christianity. And this is not the dog on Christians. This is just a thing that happened pretty often, the locals who lived there would say, you know, oh, yes, we are, we are loyal followers of Christianity, and there's always been so, but you have to watch out for that, those standing stones, you shouldn't go there when the stars and the moon are in a certain alignment, uh, you know, because of the ghost or the demons, and never disturb the cairn, is that how you say it, the standing stones? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, never. Yeah. Or, or, or even in like you know very 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 old religious structures like uh, cathedrals and, and, and whatnot, they have you know these gargoyles that are essentially demonic creatures that that one could associate with like being a familiar of a witch or something. But they're also kind of co opted and meant to protect the structure and and you know those within from those very evil spirits. Yeah, it's a it's a conversation and. If you are these, if if you are traveling with us, our hypothetical band of early Christian wanderers, and you see this stuff that really freaks you out, then you can imagine it doesn't really help when the locals also say there are a couple of folks in town who can actually work with these creatures and you know try to stay on their good side. What are we talking about? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. Hey, Doug Gottlieb here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making the now perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines the raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. With the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before. Or... Check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. With new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out the amazing national sales event deals 
when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know, taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada, helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. We are back, and we're going to jump in the images you may have swirling around your head when the words witch or witchcraft are uttered. What do you see? Why do you see it? What are what are the iconic images that are associated with that? Well, uh, if we're jumping through time, we're now in the 1590s, which is the last leg of Queen Elizabeth I's reign, and... In England at that time, the concept of a witch, the the image in people's minds of a witch was pretty much crystallized. It's the hag image that we've already mentioned. Um, Perhaps a poor uh, woman, maybe lame in some way with her physical characteristics, perhaps blind in one eye or a cloudy eye. Something's wrong with it. Um, Perhaps gets very angry very easily and wants to enact revenge in some way and the concept you'll see it in in old old like story tales about a witch that something small happens to her and no matter how slight that infraction ha- is she will like curse the ever loving shit oh, yeah. out of you whoa, <laughs> it reminds whoa. me of the like the rapunzel <laughs> story where i believe the infraction was stealing a cabbage from the witch's garden to feed uh, a hungry pregnant woman. Um, and it involved, I believe, in, you know, infant theft and, and blinding uh, the, the, you know, the husband uh, with a, you know, cursed briar patch or something. Serious, you know, uh, scorched earth kind of um, retribution there. Well, in defense of some witches, while they might overreact, they are also, I think, in response- stories. In stories, responding to persecution from the community uh, where their, ex- their, their existence itself is taboo. Hansel and Gretel were vandalizing her house. Yes, you're <laughs> right. And that, that is so important. A reaction uh, to being mistreated within society. Seriously, that is so important to this whole topic, this whole episode. Yeah. And this and what we're talking about here, too, is is real. This idea of a scorched earth policy, um, this idea of uh, very vengeful individuals was important for the powers that be at the time in Western Europe because they needed a rationale, right? They needed a reason to persecute these people to such an extreme degree. And they also were quarreling with their own misogyny pretty often. Laws of the time that you were just describing, Matt, had been sort of updated to 
include the opinions of demonologists. And a lot of these demonologists said, you know what, the idea that, and this is their thinking, not ours, the idea that these old women can do magic spitting in the face of God, they're not powerful enough for that. They're old. They're women. It's the devil. They're, they're working for the devil. And uh, if they have a cat, the cat's in on it. <laughs> I'm being pretty basic with it. Dude, no, you're, you're, right, you're right on the money, though, of uh, the, the thinking that was occurring there. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's why people like Professor Diane Perkis estimate some 30,000 to 60,000 people may have died as a result of these witch hunts. So there's a lot of history, a lot of blood. Not to mention that to this day, animal shelters won't adopt out black cats around Halloween because they're so often mistreated because of that stereotype of the black cat being somehow uh, associated with um, witches and, and the occult. Yeah, it's a true story. I mean, history is still with us. Faulkner was right when he said the past isn't past. So, yeah. Can, can I yeah. do a quick plug just really fast? If you're interested in witch trials, specifically the ones that occurred in Salem, Massachusetts, please check out Unobscured Season 1. Uh, it's a podcast. You will love it. It's really good. Okay. Heard of it. Quite good. Mm-hmm. And this also, the uh, the events in Salem are, are also likewise wrapped up in the concept of the quote-unquote magic witch or practitioner. And many of the practices that at that time were associated with witchcraft are around today in some form. As a matter of fact, if you look around, you will see that many, many, many people nowadays may self-identify as witches or Wiccans or practitioners of some associated belief system. It's, of course, it's unfair to lump all of them together in a single group. And there are a lot of people who might not say, might not consider themselves a quote unquote witch or a sorcerer of some kind, but they still engage in practices either recreationally, nostalgically, maybe it's something in their family that you do, or with serious intention. And those, those practices, while they may not be called magic, definitely descend from earlier practices associated with witchcraft. As a matter of fact, as you're listening today, conspiracy realists, uh, some of us may be thinking, oh, that's right. That's like, um, especially if you're in the South, where uh, the Southern U.S., where folk magic is a very, very old thing that existed in step with organized religion. We might have just unlocked a memory for you. And if so, we'd love we'd love to hear it. We're pretty sure you're out there because however defined, however murky the origins, there is one thing for sure. Witchcraft is actually on the rise. Here's where it gets crazy. Yeah, it's true. I mean, however you define witchcraft, it appears that it and other associated practices are in fact rising um, in the United States. Uh, It's something that's a little bit tough to measure, um, given that there are so many different things wrapped up in this and that the term itself is so loaded. Uh, It's been used as a term of abuse in the past. It's one of these things that's then been sort of taken back. um, And it's just a a very catch-all kind of term. So it does make it a little tough to kind of parse out what all is included under that kind of umbrella. Um, But one way to get a good sense of this kind of a snapshot is to go to the most well-defined sources um, that remain largely the same uh, as as they have historically. We've already mentioned Wiccan um, or pagan practitioners. Yeah, this is fascinating because we're going to see a pattern that's similar to stories of the Illuminati. Honestly, the what's called the Wiccan faith, grew out of the writings of a guy named Gerald Gardner. He was a customs officer, and in 1954, he wrote a book called Witchcraft Today, and it talked about his experience in a coven, and according to other members of the coven, their tenets and values were allegedly passed down all the way down from the Middle Ages. Scholars would later conclude that Maybe some of that was based in fact, but Gardner was also probably styling on it a lot, inventing, embellishing. Uh, and we and the reason I say it's similar to the Illuminati is you'll see a lot of secret society groups who claim an ancient lineage. Then there's no real way to prove or disprove it. It's it's important here to t- just the conversation we were having the other day with the practitioners, Ben, the concept of Wicca 
And what that was, and we're going back to the 1950s popularization of that term as that thing that was written about by this guy Gardner. Uh, but then also taking it back to the etymology of right Vicken, uh, Vicka, and, and all those Vicker. Um, it's not it's not all the same thing wrapped up together. This thing that's described in Gard- Gardner's book is. A, his version, right? Like, that's what we're saying. So I guess it was just difficult for me to wrap my head around that concept initially, that this wasn't Wicca, the thing that's described in his book, isn't the thing that goes all the way back that would be described as witchcraft. Sure. I mean, what I always associate Wicca with um, is, you know, communion with nature, um, kind of returning to that sort of closeness with the earth and, and the roots of, you know, creation and all of that. Um, it, and obviously it's, it's more than that, but that's just, you know, as sort of an outsider, that's what I've always associated with in a very positive light. Yeah, the, these practices are not monolithic and should not be treated as such. What's fascinating and important for us about paganism or uh, the Wiccan practice is that we have the most, we being outside civilization, have the most information on that. So when you hear claims that witchcraft, however defined, is on the rise, uh, those claims are, those claims are based on several things, like several noticeable trends, but the hard numbers that you're going to find are usually going to be from self-reporting polls of people who listed their religious identification or affiliation as paganism or Wiccan. Uh, In 2014, the Pew Research Center said that the U.S.'s adult population of pagans and Wiccans was about 730,000. That's on par with the number of people who are Unitarians. And then later, this equated to, later we saw this number go up to about 0.4% of Americans, which sounds very small until you realize that's around 1 to 1.5 million people identifying either as Wiccan or Pagan. And again, this is just one among many groups and not all witches, hashtag not all witches. But it's fair to say most people are doing these practices may not consider themselves specifically pagan or Wiccan. They could have any number of aims. They can specialize in certain spells, specialize in certain goals. There's a New York Times article I'd like to draw everybody's attention to. came out a couple years back by Jessica Bennett called, When Did Everybody Become a Witch? And, and the, That's a great the, question. And the subtitle is, Witch Parties, Witch Protests, and a Bevy of New Books, We Have Reached Peak Witch. Which which is which? I know. No one knows. Right? Yeah. So this is uh, this is interesting because you will see things like the author points out. You might see your coworkers uh, using tarot cards, doing readings on their lunch breaks. Uh, you might have somebody say, "Hey, join us together. We're going to have a ceremony uh, that's aimed at." career success. There people are like witch influencers on Instagram, you know. People in the world of podcasting have described themselves as witches. There's performance art. It goes on and on. And let's not forget too, I mean, for for many this is very much a religion, right? It's not just a uh, a um, fashion statement. You know, it really is a set of beliefs and, and something that is adhered to in a very similar way to the rituals of Catholicism or Christianity or or you know, Buddhism. Yeah. I, I, it's true, but I think the mass popularization, you can trace it back to one thing. Do you know what that magic one thing the is? Ga- is it Magic the Gathering? No. It's Magic the Gathering. I wish. It's, yeah. it's The Craft. You're joking. <laughs> the 1996 movie, Light the as craft. a feather, stiff as a board. That's, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, because you know that, yeah. our whole generation, I don't know, whatever. I, I, it was so very popular where I was. It uh, really oh, was. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're right. You're right. But that, that that couldn't account for the current uptick, though. I mean, just like maybe the like, you know, uh, what's the word? The mainstreaming of it uh, in like the zeitgeist. Certainly that would have played a hand in it. I, I think it's I, I think they occur concurrently. I think uh, the craft is a symptom of a larger thing. And when mm. I say symptom, I don't mean to imply that it's it's something bad. Uh, there's another one I want to point out while we're with Pew Research. Later in 2017, oh, they went back and they said, well, let's look at just the idea of new age beliefs. And they found that 60% of people living in the U.S. 
identify with at least one, if not more, of the, of the following beliefs. Psychics, psychic powers, astrology, the presence of spiritual energy inside inanimate objects, reincarnation, uh, and also a more, more than a quarter of people in the U.S. say they think of themselves as spiritual, but not religious. In an increasingly secular society, you can still have these um, beliefs that don't match religion. You might not consider yourself religious, but you can you can have your you can have your potion and drink it too. I guess is the idea, sort of a best of both worlds thing. And in many ways, sociologically, if you just look at the sociological trends and kind of the cause effect, uh, and you put all the ideas of magical belief to one side identifying in this way could also be seen as an act of protest, right? Mm. Uh, self-selecting to say, I'm a witch, fight the power, right? Yeah. That's, the, that's part and parcel of it. Uh, let, let's actually pause for a word from our own familiars, and then we'll, we'll return with uh, maybe a specific example of something like that. Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Join Metro. They help you stay ahead of the game with nada, yada, yada. That means no contracts, no credit checks, and no surprises. Outsmarting yada, yada means, uh, you know. Taxis and stuff. Shady subscriptions. Did you guys ever order something online and you thought it was just like a one-time purchase, but then you found yourself subscribed? Yeah, I had to call and stop payment on something because I had subscribed to it through Apple Pay. And even though I had like put a new card on there, it still was tied to whatever card was associated with my Apple Pay. So I had to like go through this whole process of getting it pulled. It was really, really annoying. Well, that'll never happen with Metro by T-Mobile because you don't take yada yada in life and you're not going to take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada helping you stay ahead without compromising on things you love the most. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. And we're back. Um, and uh, to Ben's point before the break, uh, Cherwell.org has a fantastic example of describing how witches um, are uniting to fight for political goals, for political aims, specifically against uh, Donald Trump, former President Donald Trump. Yes. From this article there in Cherwell. I guess I'll read just part of a quote here. It says on the evening of Donald Trump's inauguration, a witchcraft community called quote magic resistance formed within the United States. And it has continued to meet throughout his presidency. So this was written um, 
prior to a new president coming into office. The group performed binding spells and they gather together tarot cards, feathers and candles, amongst other items, alongside unflattering photographs of the president. This ritual is performed each waning crescent moon so that uh, the president's malignant works may, quote, fail utterly. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. There. So this is... This reminds me of the attempts by uh, the the Vatican exorcist Amorth uh, to to remotely exercise people uh, as in in a way that was a political protest and in this in this case uh, it seems to be very much the same uh, the group performed their final what do you call it Matt their final binding on January twelfth of twenty twenty one and there have been similar protests on all sides of the political spectrum across the globe. And sometimes they are more symbolic. Sometimes the people doing these things purposely think of it as performance art. Sure. It reminds me of uh, in the sixties, a group in um, San Francisco, I believe called the Yippies um, led by Kenneth Anger, I want to say. He was like a kind of an experimental filmmaker and activist. Um, they uh, did a sort of a happening um, where they attempted to levitate the Pentagon like two inches, um, you know, again, uh, purportedly using witchcraft, but it really was, like you said, been more of an act of protest and kind of a goof, you know, to get uh, the squares riled up, you know? Oh, what they don't tell you guys is that it worked. Yeah, one centimeter, proven. <laughs> but, you know, witchcraft, to that end, witchcraft can also kind of be seen as, as a fashion thing, like an aesthetic quality in and of itself for, for its own enjoyment in that way. That side of it has certainly seen a renaissance um, leading to a lot more mainstream curiosity around it. Yeah. Especially, you know, if you live in a country where you're not going to get burned at the stake or executed uh, for, for holding those beliefs or participating in those practices, I do want to point out maybe this, this is an episode for the future. Uh, There are many areas of the world right now where people are persecuted or accused of witchcraft. We even a few years ago, uh, talked about the danger that's posed in some in some countries to children who have albinism because their bodies are considered powerful magical relics or body parts. So this is this is real, even if it can, even if it seems like inquisitions and witch hunts were hundreds of years ago. There's still violence associated with this kind of persecution. And not to put it in the same basket at at all, but I think I've been pretty vocal about my ex-wife, who I'm very close with, um, you know, considers herself Wiccan and and does these kind of rituals and something that's very important to her. And while my daughter doesn't, our daughter doesn't like necessarily identify like that, um, she does appreciate that aspect of her mom's life and and her beliefs. And she definitely has co-opted some of the more aesthetic qualities of it. Like she likes to wear, you know, dark kind of goth type clothing and, um, you know, pentagrams and and upside down crosses and things like that. But to her, it is more of like an aesthetic thing. Uh, But there are some kind of dudes uh, at her middle school that, you know, will kind of act, call her a devil worshiper and, uh, you know, kind of um, bully her about this. So, you know, it's definitely still uh, something that hangs around, you know, that, that stigma. Yeah. This, this is interesting. So I, I looked at a couple of different ways to answer the question is witchcraft on the rise. First problem is how to define it. It's been defined by it's like self-appointed enemies. It's a little bit complicated to get hard numbers because specifically the U.S. government is real gun-shy about collecting detailed religious information because this country has something that I very much support called the separation of church and state. And there are organizations like Pew that have tried to fill in that data gap and Because of that, when they're asking about witches, they're primarily asking about Wicca because it's the easiest to trace, the easiest to define. Uh, And Trinity College in Connecticut ran three large, very detailed surveys of religion. They showed that there was tremendous growth uh, from 1990 to 2008 from people identifying as Wiccans. Uh, This 
this number is still smaller than those numbers we discussed earlier in 2014, 2017. So the thing is actually happening. There is a trend. It is real. It's traceable. It's proven. Yes. And we also know that you probably heard the the phrase of the place, Trinity College, and thought, that sounds a little Christian to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, is there a reason why they're interested in Wicca? Uh, it was a larger study. It, like Ben said, it wasn't just I don't I don't think the motivation was to call out those who identify as Wiccan. Yeah, it wasn't to improve the methodology of witch hunters. That's for <laughs> sure. But the but the the thing that's uh, the thing that we need to realize about this is that there is um, an active conspiracy theory, right? That there is a grand war between uh, heaven and hell with humans as heroes and pawns, uh, and so some some of the fears about the growth or the mainstreaming of these practices uh, go back to that idea. But there is an alternative answer. Don't want to bust this as a conspiracy theory. I just think it's really interesting to note that when we ask, why is witchcraft on the rise? We're talking about sociology. There's a great article from The Atlantic uh, where Bianca Bosker uh, argues that not only is this it's weird because I had the same suspicion. Not only is witchcraft on the rise now, but it has waxed and waned uh, and risen in popularity cyclically across culture and across time. And Bosker traces it to times of social uncertainty, you know, plummeting of trust in establishment ideas. What, what's that old list? We used to have this old list that would whip out of things that are have a higher rating than Congress. And yeah, like, I remember that. Like there, there, I think there were a couple of STDs that had a higher approval rating than Congress. So that's what well, we I mean. You can we get rid of some STDs. It's really hard to get rid of Congress. There we go. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's the idea. Like regardless of, regardless of your own, I guess, personal ideologies or beliefs, many people are increasingly jaded with what they see as the establishment for one reason or another. And people have asked, well, not, not just in this current age, but in, in the past, people have asked valid question, who do these institutions actually serve? Right. Mm. And check out our lobbying episode, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, but it's fascinating. She notes this isn't the first time it's happened. No, 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 no. Uh, but we'll read a quote here. This is, again, from the Atlantic article from Bianca Bosker. Uh, she says, quote, In the 19th century, as transcendentalism and the women's suffrage movement took hold, witches enjoyed the beginnings of a rebranding from wicked devil worshippers to intuitive wise women. Woodstock and second wave feminism were a boon for witches, whose popularity spiked again following the Anita Hill hearings in the 1990s and again after Donald Trump's election and alongside the uh, hashtag the Me Too movement. And we... In our conversation with the practitioners, Ben, this was a this is a major topic just a, a, about why we see these trends and then taking those trends back to kind of the origins of some of these practices when there's always been an established, not always, in many parts of the world for most of the time, there has been an established patriarchy that defines essentially what a woman can and cannot do. And this was a, a way to have power and to fight back, even if it's perceived in the eyes of those, uh, those people who are attempting to control you. And you say intuitive wise women to me, that's full circle back to the um, Oracle type figure where they were like sanctioned by the state and respected and treated with um, reverence because they served like, you know, a function in that society. Um, so it does kind of interestingly feel like we've kind of gone full circle back to that way of, of looking at things. I mean, not like, you know, <laughs> across the board, but um, it does seem like the mainstream is starting to catch up to that. Mm -hmm. And it, it makes sense from a, a sociological perspective. Again, if the ordinary, mundane, normal avenues of power and enfranchisement are failing, there is some sort of logic in giving alternative approaches a shot. Is there not? I mean, no matter how unorthodox those alternative approaches might sound, the trends seem to indicate that modern witchcraft 
this is another point Bosker makes, has drawn in more uh, women or, or female identifying people than men, as well as many people of color and individuals who are queer or transgender, which, of course, is like a, a gender agnostic kind of description, right? Uh, it's like pilot. Anybody can be a pilot. And on the flip side, it's an inarguable reality that Throughout history, a lot of those witch hunts, a lot of those crackdowns were really meant to be crackdowns on women. So in a way, just identifying oneself as a witch can, for some, be a form of activism. And don't even get us started with, a, 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 don't even get started with the conflicts of interest in the Inquisition. You know, some of those folks, they got a cut of the estate if the uh, case went through. So, right. Yeah. Dude. So with all of this, what we've learned today, you can see why there may be a growing interest, a continually growing interest right now in witchcraft, whatever it that is, and however it's defined by you when you're thinking about it in your mind. Um, I want to talk a little bit about our conversation a little more, Ben, just in what people should do if they're interested in this stuff. Uh, one thing I personally did in preparation for this and, and just for my own self was to visit a local bookstore that offers, you know, uh, they will sell you books on the history and practice of many different types of magic and witchcraft and other things like that. Spiritualist movement things. And I just talked to some people I, I was talking to several people who work there who were just really well informed and were able to kind of guide me to what books I needed to be checking out. Well, and, and, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, a specialized shop like that would be obviously an incredible resource and a really cool way to really dive in. But if you don't have a uh, an occult bookstore in your <laughs> neck of the woods, this stuff's at Barnes & Noble. I mean, you, yeah. can, you can definitely find interesting books uh, about just about every aspect of, of Wicca and spiritualism and any kind of New Age religion um, that you might want. Yeah, and so with our, with our takeaway that clearly... There are problems with defining witchcraft, but clearly it's on the rise, uh, and, we, and we've kind of figured out why, rather than some big uh, deep conspiracy theory that would require a lot of otherworldly organization <laughs> to be successful. Uh, we do have two big takeaways, and this was a point uh, the, the chaos practitioner made, which is read the history of something before you, before you start taking, you know, before you start getting very experimental and exploring these things in practice, uh, make sure that you are well-educated. You can find, like Matt and Nola said, uh, resources online for free as well. Mm -hmm. um, and this this stuff will only further empower you with knowledge should you decide to, to become an active practitioner. I would say for the second part, for the folks who are perhaps more on the skeptical end of the spectrum here, or for those of us who have our own strong religious or spiritual beliefs, just be respectful of, of these folks. You know, they're not out here trying to curse your well or make your cattle ugly. Oh, no, wait, make their milk bad. That was one of them. Uh, yep. Yeah, so the, it's just like anybody else's personal faith. We've always said on this show, uh, those beliefs are your own. They're no one else's. It's not our job to tell you what, what to think, but if what we have found today is true, then we can expect this trend to continue in step with instances of social unrest. I can't wait to hear the stories uh, that we're going to get from some of our conspiracy realists today, guys. I think we're going to see some commonalities, and I think we're going to learn some pretty cool stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, let us know what you think. You can find us on uh, the usual internet places of note, such as Facebook and Twitter um, and YouTube, where we are at the handle Conspiracy Stuff, uh, and we're at Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram. Yes, and you can also reach out to us with your voice. You can call the number 1-833-STDWYTK. Leave a voicemail. Please give yourself a cool nickname. You have three minutes. Say whatever you want. Uh, we, we just want to hear anything you have to say please 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 but if three minutes is not enough time for you to get all of your information down we ask instead that you send us a good old-fashioned email we are conspiracy at iheartradio.com
Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.